What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the eighth episode of the Gridiron Giants Edition. I'm your host, Anthony Pelillo, joined, of course, by my co-host, Anthony Novello. And Novello, we had a nice break this past week. We didn't preview the game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I think maybe we could have seen some of this coming, the, the game that happened this past week. But I don't know, man. It was ugly, if you ask me. The Giants are normally good for a couple of these a year. And, uh, yeah, it was, unfortunately, it had to be the one on prime time that the whole country got to see. You could say maybe... It was a game that had to happen and allowed Jason Garrett to get fired. We're going to get all into that during this episode. But, um, yeah, I don't think there's a better word to describe the game other than ugly. Yeah, I think another word is uh, embarrassing because, um, you know, what's interesting. During the bye week, I was like, I was both sad and happy at the same time. I was happy that I was not going to probably be heartbroken, similar to, I was, to how I was this week. But I was also sad that I wasn't going to watch Daniel Jones and the Giants go play football. But... Yeah, just another word for it, embarrassing, and I know we're going to get into the details of it, so let's get into it. Yeah, 30 to 10 loss to the t- 30 to 10 loss to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I mean, it's honestly lucky if you ask me that we scored 10 points in this game. I really don't think they should have. I mean, we'll start going into it early on in this game. You kind of felt like the Giants maybe I mean, they were from behind early as the first like defensive drive. I mean, they started playing real soft on Tampa Bay's receivers and stuff like that. It seemed like Patrick Graham's initial plan was to kind of play the Buccaneers to how the cheat they played the Chiefs. I mean, I don't completely hate the idea in the sense that you don't want to get beat deep and stuff like that. But at the same time, Tom Brady loves like it has no problem throwing the ball underneath and taking what's easy. I mean, he's made a complete living out of it all his career. Whereas the Chiefs, you know what I mean? That's been their Achilles heel when they were going wrong earlier in the season. So I didn't really completely love that. Obviously. Patrick Graham adjusted a little bit, I guess I'll say, but he didn't get any help from the offense. I mean, like I said, the offense, 10 points in the first half, and they got lucky to get those 10 points after that Adoree Jackson interception and Andrew Thomas touchdown. So, um, yeah, I mean, the first half, I think they ended down seven points. If you ask me, they were lucky to only be down seven. I think they had under 100 yards of total offense. And, yeah, they really shouldn't have had a touchdown on the board. Andrew Thomas, like I said, the only this touchdown was the only bright spot of really the whole game, but specifically the first half. Oh yeah, like when when you mentioned like the Buccaneers offense against our defense, you're right. Like the first like the first drive or two, I'm like, why are we playing too high? Similar to how we played the Chiefs to stop like guys like Tyree Kill. I'm like, these receivers are a totally different group of guys. Mike Evans and Chris Godwin are like, those are like good, solid, all around route runners, good catchers. Like they're not going to take the top off the defense, but they're going to get the job done. And it almost seemed like. Like, he wanted to come out and just kind of, like, let them have those first couple drives and then make adjustments. But, like, when you have, like, our offense and Jason Garrett and all the problems that we've had, like, just around the entire team, like, that's not something you could do. Like, as a defensive coordinator, you just have to start getting after it from the first drive. And, yeah, like you said, like, we totally got lucky with the Dory Jackson interception. Otherwise, this game probably would have ended up being 30-3, to which would have just been even worse, considering we wouldn't have scored a touchdown. But, like... And then just to add on the fact that Andrew Thomas, of course, don't get me wrong, I freaking love Andrew Thomas. Happy he got to score a touchdown. But, like, at the same time, like, that's what Jason Garrett's mind is more concerned about rather than getting, like, Kadarius Tony touches and, like, touchdowns and Kenny Galladay touchdowns. Like, it's a little concerning to see that, like, that's what he decided to do. It worked. It did work in that area. We were able to score. But, like, to think about the fact that Andrew Thomas – our left tackle, who has played in maybe like four games this season, has more touchdowns than both 
our big free agent signing in Kenny Galladay and our first round draft pick Darius Tony combined is super disappointing. Yeah, I mean, in the sense that that touchdown is bittersweet in that way because it kind of highlights the ineptitude of Jason Garrett and his inability to get Kenny Galladay and Kadarius Tony the ball in the red zone. I mean, don't take my complete word for this. I would love, like, does Kenny Galladay have a target in the end zone this year? Maybe one or two, but off the top of my head, can't think of any that comes to mind where it was like one at all. Like maybe in that Raiders game, they took a an end zone fade. I don't even. It might have been Colin Johnson though, or Kyle Rudolph taking the fade to and not Galladay. So listen, Andrew Thomas, good for him. I love the touchdown dance. I thought it was choreographed pretty well by the offensive line. Good to know the offensive line can do something decently well because blocking is not really one of them. I mean, Daniel Jones is a little frustrated with them this game. We'll get into that in a little bit. But uh, one thing I'll say about the defense, too, before I get more into the later portions of this game, it seemed like they really missed Logan Ryan on the defensive side of things. Obviously, he tested positive for COVID-19 late in the week, so he was unable to go. And, uh, yeah, Julian Love kind of had a tough day guarding Rob Gronkowski. I mean – no peppers, no Logan Ryan. So you're going a little down on the depth chart. I love Julian Love, good ball player, but uh, definitely wasn't his best game. So I don't think that was something that helped the Giants uh, this past week. Honestly, like as a big like defensive guy and everything, uh, I believe it was Joe Judge who said that um, Julian Love is kind of like their um, their replacement guy. Like he can almost play like any position in that secondary. I thought he came out and played well. Had a couple of pass breakups. He went four for six on his targets. But, um, you know, it's a little frustrating to see that, especially with Logan Ryan out, basically the quarterback of that secondary. He gets the stuff done back there. Like, Logan Ryan, he's almost good. The Giants, I think – actually, no, no, the Giants got a turnover this game. So they continue their streak of having a turnover in every game, I believe. Is that, is that correct, though? Yeah, I'm trying. I'm just thinking off the top of my head how far that back that streak goes. But, yeah, probably to the Rams. No, they had one. They had two in the Rams game. At least the Cowboys game then. Yeah, it's like yeah I, I won't say they have. They've definitely got a pretty good streak getting a turnover every game, but um, Logan Ryan is almost. I would say he's a very good chance of punching a ball out in any game that he's a part of. He loves to do that peanut punch from Charles Tillman, but um, yeah, we definitely miss Logan Ryan as Tom Brady and the Bucks had an absolute day on us. So definitely we're you know we were definitely missing Logan Ryan. I hope that we can get him back. I know he'll probably clear the COVID nineteen protocol and everything. So hopefully we get him back against these Eagles, which we'll get into later. Yeah, definitely would be a big boost to have him back. All right, we kind of talked a little bit about the defensive side of things and how we weren't. It was just a tough performance in the defense, you know what I mean? They weren't helped at all by the offense. The offense finishes with 215 total yards of offense. I mentioned in the first half they really struggled to get anything going. And in the second half, they come out of that locker room and they they put together a decent drive for sure. They had the pass to Kyle Rudolph up the left sideline that got him, I think it was over 30 yards or something like that. So it set them up for a, um, it set them up for possession in Tampa Bay's territory. You're thinking, all right, down seven. If you could somehow get, uh, score a touchdown here, you're tied. And like in a game where you really don't deserve to be tied, who knows if the ball bounces a couple different ways, you have a chance to win this game. But they end up going for it on fourth down, which I think was the complete right call for sure. It was fourth and one. Uh, down seven. I don't care. It's early in the third quarter. I'm perfectly fine with not kicking the field goal. They actually would have been pissed off if they would have ended up kicking the field goal there. But um, an interesting play call, if you ask me. It seems like it's a play that we see a lot. That rollout uh, for Jones to the right side didn't really have anything. I looked like Tampa Bay was pretty prepared for it. 
And I mean, once you don't get that, Tampa Bay marches down, they score a touchdown, and then it got really even more ugly on the offensive side of things. Jones throws one of the most head-scratching interceptions where I, I understand what he was trying to do in a sense. I think he was, I think he was trying to throw the ball like down the ball, but then then again, now think like why didn't he just throw it out? I think he was actually trying to throw it back across the mind-blowing interceptions what you say for a quarterback in year three that's just an unacceptable that's unacceptable you can't turn the ball over like that Jones like some some of the turnovers you can live with that is a turnover absolutely 100% you cannot live with that's a mistake that if it happens in your rookie year you're pretty upset with your quarterback for that to happen in his third year that's um not a good sign at all I've said this a couple times with Daniel Jones this year you just love to be like in a game and say oh like that Daniel Jones, like that play, he doesn't like he doesn't make that in 2019. He doesn't throw that ball away in 2019. He gets sacked and maybe fumbles. But like I can't say that Daniel Jones looked better at all from where he was day one in 2019 from what he was this past Monday night. Well, I'm going to be completely honest here. This was the first time ever. In Daniel Jones' career, because you know I'm a huge Daniel Jones guy. I absolutely love Daniel Jones. I believe in him, and I want him to be our quarterback. But this was the first game where when he threw that pick to Steve McClendon, one of the defensive ends or defensive tackles for the Buccaneers, I really questioned whether or not I wanted him. It was genuinely frustrating to watch this game because those two interceptions were so bad. And like just to watch him almost regress back exactly how you said that, like back to where he was in 2019, like three years ago. Like it hurts to see that because you've seen him come such a long way, improving on some turnover like aspects, improving on ball security. And then just to see like a game like this where like, and it's not even like, you know what? Devin White did have him a little bit under pressure when he threw that pick to Steve McClendon. But like there was a guy like wide open, like five yards more towards the middle of the field. Like, just put the ball somewhere near that guy and not near the guy with the red jersey. Like, I don't, I don't want to, like, stress that enough. Just throw it to the guy in our color jersey. But, like, just like you said, man, like, watching him kind of regress this game, like, making plays that he would make in 2019, very frustrating. And there's not much there's not much else to be said. Yeah, he throws a pick, I believe. I don't know if it was on the next drive. After that, or if it was a couple drives later in the game, but yeah, another pick where he kind of gets lurked a little bit. I didn't think that was a good pick either on his part. I thought that's like that's one I like Daniel like pick it up here. That just looked like Listen. he didn't see Devin White, and then yeah, from yeah, there, no, you're right. On that. You're right. On that. What? Yeah, w- watching that one back, I, I agree with that. First, I was like that one's honestly like just as bad, but you're right. He, he just didn't see White coming across at all. I mean, with Saquon Barkley and Andrew Thomas coming back playing it seemed like they finally had the whole gang back and yes the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense is good but it was like we finally have our full strength team like what can we be on offense and that's what we delivered uh kind of ugly a bright spot on offense if I if there's one Kadari well first Andrew Thomas of course uh, he, he deserves the bright spot because of what yeah. <laughs> is his touchdown and honestly Andrew Thomas on the offensive line the only one who decided to show up Kadarius Tony, if you ask me, 12 targets, seven catches for 40 yards. One thing I did not like about it, his longest catch only goes for eight yards, which, uh, yes, it speaks to kind of the receiver Tony is, but get get him targets 15 yards down the field, please. Like the guy, first of all, when this guy touches the ball, I will continue to say he just moves different than almost every single person in the National Football League. 
the first defender will not tackle him. He's an unbelievable spark to any offense, and I hope the Giants start to get him even more involved down the stretch because, again, in this game, it's like if like everything was going bad, the only thing that could get fixed was if, if you threw the ball to Kadarius Tony, he'd make somebody miss and get six yards on it. Kadarius Tony is a special football player, and I know we're going to get into the offensive play calls for the next week and upcoming weeks, but like get Kadarius Tony the football. 12 targets, we're happy to see that based off of other weeks because other weeks he's had like a couple, two, three, four. But this week he was able to get 12 targets, only seven of them being caught. But like just like you said, with a long of eight, that is a little disappointing. That is a guy you need to get the football to down the field because if he makes one guy miss, he is out. But um, just like you said, offense struggled a lot. Third down conversions, if you're one for nine, that's never a stat that you want to see. One for nine is almost terrible on third downs. And also another thing, like like when when we look at all these things and everything that's happening with the Giants, sometimes it also comes down to some simple things too, just like third down conversions. And I'm going to point out one more thing, time of possession. The Buccaneers had 35 and a half minutes of possession and we had 24 and a half. Again, just another thing that like, it's hard to win a football game when you don't have the time of possession on your side and you don't have the third down conversions on your side. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you look at some of those stats after the game, it's like there's no way you won the game. I mean, some, sometimes, listen, you can look at a box score and you're like, oh, the box, it doesn't tell the whole story. I mean, you look at a team that 10 less minutes time of possession, one for nine on third down compared to Tampa Bay, it was under 50%, I mean, six to 13, but it was more than enough, you know what I mean, when you compare the two. So, yeah, not not the Giants' best showing on offense, absolutely even close to. It was it was a sour note. I mean, one thing I also want to touch on real quick, Will Hernandez, one of the worst offensive line performances I've seen in recent memory. Uh, individually, I should say, I mean, I shouldn't throw Will Hernandez completely under the bus. Everybody outside of Andrew Thomas had a tough day, which is a shame because Vita Vea wasn't even there. And with Saquon Barkley coming back, I mean, he only got six carries, which is kind of unacceptable too. Like, I don't really care how the game script goes. If, even if the Giants are losing 28 nothing, like I like I still want Saquon Barkley carrying the football. I mean, the guy got six carries, and we were only down seven with up until probably about eight minutes left in the third quarter. Like, w- w- I don't get where the disconnect is there. He's our best offensive playmaker. Yes, I know he's coming back from an injury, but six carries? Like, I, I, I don't know. I just think that's absurd. No, six carries out of the 60, uh, 58 offensive plays that we had as a team is absolutely disgusting. Saquon Barkley, arguably, of course, our best, most talented player other than Kadarius Tony. I think that's actually a little conversation we might have to have because they're both very electric. But um, just like you said, Andrew Thomas did come to play. I actually saw a thing about Will Hernandez, about um, offensive linemen like it snaps in the NFL this year. There were 191 offensive linemen ranked. And... Aaron, uh, Will Hernandez was ranked 191. That is dead last out of offensive linemen that have gotten snaps this year. That is absolutely disgusting. Just like you said, he just played like absolutely terrible. He needs to pick it up because he was what, a second round pick for us a couple years ago? Yep, 2018. Like, come on. You got to pick it up at some point. Like, at one point, we loved Will Hernandez, too. A couple of years ago, I remember we were always talking about him, how he always defends Eli and Daniel Jones. And this year, it's just, it's just not looking like that anymore. 191st out of 191. That's disappointing to see. But another thing is Kenny Galladay only playing about 76% of snaps. When you have a guy like Kenny Galladay, free agent signing, 
it's a little disappointing that he's actually getting less plays, like less snaps than Evan Ingram. That's a little disgusting to me. Evan Ingram playing 90% of snaps, Kenny Galladay playing 76. But that's a guy that I also want to see on the field a little bit more. Yeah, I think maybe some of that, I mean, I don't go back. Like, if I go back and watch some of it, I wonder if some of the snaps that he didn't go in, you know what I mean, are later in the fourth quarter. But even still, you know what I mean, I'd like Kenny Galladay to at least build some chemistry there with Daniel Jones. It's not like these guys have been playing together for six years and stuff like that, and they have this uh, connection. They, I mean, they haven't even completed a touchdown. Like, Big Jones hasn't completed a touchdown to Kenny Galladay. So, yeah, I agree with you on that. I think Ingram snaps definitely got increased a little bit because Kyle Rudolph goes out in this game and Caden Smith was also out. So be, take that with a little grain of salt, but I agree with you. Kenny Goddard should definitely be on the field more uh, case in point. Well, Will Hernandez, one thing I'll touch on. I mean, the guy's playing for a contract extension, whether it's going to be the Giants or another team. Uh, I really don't think it will be the Giants. It really didn't seem like last year they liked him too, too much when he got benched for Shane Lemieux. And then this year it was almost like, well – we got rid of Zeitler, and we didn't replace him. So, all right, Will, you're back. Like, they almost just gave him the starting spot back. So, yeah, I don't necessarily think he'll be back this year. I thought he was better in the beginning of the season than he was maybe in 2020. But with a game like that, if you ask me, I don't know. I don't want to say, like, you can't come back from the game. But now in my eyes, like, Will Hernandez is um definitely have, has to uh, take a couple steps back up. But you're right. I mean, after his rookie season, I thought Will Hernandez could potentially be a building block on our offensive line, but things have definitely changed since then. Enough with this game, Novello. It was ugly. I mentioned there's a couple games that stick out into my head the past couple years that are just, when you're not a great football team like the New York Giants, and you make a lot of mistakes in a sense, and you turn the football over, and you're not disciplined. There, there, There are certain times where there would just be games that you get flat out embarrassed. You know what I mean? Everything doesn't go your way. You just have, you struggle to move the football on offense. You struggle to get stops on defense. I mean, a couple games that bring to mind, the 49ers game last year, week three, was one of the most disgusting football games I've watched. This past year, the Rams game, it was a tough watch. It was tough. There's no doubt about it. And then this game, honestly, kind of gets lumped right into it. And maybe it sounds a little better because they scored 10 points in this game. But, again, if you get behind – if you get by the five-yard drive that we had, the five-yard touchdown drive we had, it wasn't uh, it wasn't pretty. But after the game, Joe Judge was verbally upset with really the coaching, it seemed like. He was really pinning it on the coaching. I think that's good accountability in his sense of not to throw the players under the bus. I mean, I don't really – I would hope that my coach doesn't do that. But he was. it seemed like he was frustrated with specifically the offense and the offensive play calling. We get a little more clarity the next day when Jason Garrett was fired as the offensive coordinator for the New York Giants. 26 games under Garrett. The Giants were dead last in touchdowns. They only scored 40 touchdowns in that span. We had the worst red zone offense this year in the NFL. We were scoring touchdowns on less than 50% of our red zone drives, which is just unacceptable. Uh, This was long overdue, if you ask me. I think definitely Garrett going into the year, if you ask me, should have been like on a pretty short leash. And I think really the only reason why that he was even here is that they didn't want to give Daniel Jones a third different play caller, if you ask me, in three years. Like that's really the only reason why I think Garrett even made it to year two. And I think that's I think one of the reasons why they kept Garrett this long was almost like, well, if you throw in another play caller, then it's almost like there's even more of a reason to now take blame away from Daniel Jones, where it's like at some point it's like, all right, Jones, like you give him a chance to succeed, at least with like the offense, like continuity and stuff like that. So 
I think it was definitely the right move to move on from Jason Garrett. Um, I'm interested to see where the offense goes after this in the next seven games. But, uh, yeah, uh, a good move, if you ask me, from the Giants, a move that absolutely had to come after that embarrassing loss. Yeah, no doubt, man. Like, Jason Garrett, he ever since he was hired, I was a little bit concerned for our offense. And I was concerned for Daniel Jones, too, because at the end of the day, the play calls that Jason Garrett calls is going to be on Daniel Jones' shoulders at the end of the day. His job is to execute, and if you can't execute um, a bad play very well, then you know what? It's not it's not going to work out. And honestly, I'm happy that this happened. Jason Garrett, it just never seemed like he was our guy. It seemed like maybe a couple times, maybe like that Saints game and like maybe the game against the Panthers, like we were executing very well. But other than that, like I can't think of a time where like I was in a serious game. I was like, you know what? That was a really good play call right there. You know, it's a little strange for Jason Garrett, but you know what? I'm happy that he's gone. But um, again, another stat that I actually heard of. We have not scored more than 30 points in the last 20 games with Jason Garrett calling plays. Again, really disappointing to see that. We just don't have the offense that puts up the numbers like that. Now we, don't. Now we move on to Freddie Kitchens. And one thing that I love about Freddie Kitchens is the one game that he did call for the Giants. I'm not sure why, honestly, he was calling plays for the Giants. I can't remember exactly what was going on. But he did call one game for the Giants. I believe it was last year or the year before. But um, he was able to have our most downfield targets past 20 yards in a single game. And you know what? As a as a guy who is missing out on some, like, offensive firepower and everything, like, I'm going to be happy to see that, like, we take some shots down the field and we give some guys chances, some chances to make plays. Yeah, what's interesting about that, too, is it was the Sunday night game last year against the Browns. And Colt McCoy was the quarterback for that game. It wasn't Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones was nursing that. I think it was his quad injury that he had last year. So good to see that in a sense. It looks like Freddie Kitchens is going to take over play calling duties. It's like weird. The Giants haven't like formally announced it yet. But I mean, it's all but certain if you ask me. Even Joe Judge, though, was saying that he might dabble in it. But if you ask me, I think it will be Freddie Kitchens, which gets me excited in a sense. But at the same time, Worries me a little bit because this is also the same Freddie Kitchens that got fired after a year working with Baker Mayfield, a guy who really couldn't utilize Odell Beckham Jr. a ton in his offense. So I'm not going to sit here and be like, Freddie Kitchens is the Messiah. He's our savior. You know what I mean? Put the play, Turn the playoffs back on. Like Daniel Jones is going to be a franchise quarterback under Freddie Kitchens. Um, there's a reason why Freddie Kitchens like went from an off- went from a head coach to – not even an offensive play caller in the NFL. You know what I mean? Like, he doesn't really have a ton of experience there. Listen, I think it's a good move for sure, but don't get expectations too, too high yet, if you ask me. I'd like to see maybe a game or two before I'm uh, ready to proclaim Freddie Kitchens a um, a suitable upgrade. I think I, I think it's almost impossible for him not to be an upgrade, but I won't, I won't say anything yet. One thing I hope Freddie Kitchens does more, of course, is utilize our stars more. I mean, Kadarius Tony at least has been getting more touches recently. I'd like to say we get him the ball a little bit more downfield. But the same thing with Kenny Galladay, man. I mean, Kenny Galladay is not really a receiver who's going to run you a post corner and create all this sort of separation. I mean, this guy, Kenny Galladay, is great in contested catches. I mean, put the ball near him and he will come down on it, even if a defender's pretty near him. You know what I mean? Not a not a big separation receiver is what I'm trying to get at. So take a shot with Kenny Galladay, man. Throw him a back shoulder here and there. Like, just get him a... I, I, I don't like 
force, like forcing a ball to a certain receiver. But if Kenny Galladay's got a good matchup, we have to start looking his way a lot more. It just seems like he's almost been like scripted out of games in a sense, which is crazy if you ask me. Where like, I mean, I'd love to see in games that they've played compared Galladay's target to Darius Slayton and even John Ross's targets. I mean, John Ross's targets kind of faded off a little bit, but he. It just blows my mind how you could pay seventy plus million dollars for a receiver and utilize him like this little. It 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 shocks me. Yeah, no doubt. And one thing that, like, honestly, Jason Garrett scripts Kenny Galladay like into the game by running a ten yard post route. And honestly, over the last month or so, that might be the only ball that I've seen that he caught. Like, that's the only pass that they'll throw to him. And it's disappointing to see that, like, one of the best free agent signings, probably the best receiver that was a free agent signing this year, like, just barely being utilized at all. And just like you said, like, I hope Freddie Kitchens can get this get this stuff together and um, hopefully give Kenny Galladay, Saquon even, and Kadarius more chances. And I also want to see Evan Ingram get a little bit more involved, too, because I think that if we use him a little bit better and a little bit more efficiently, then I think he could actually help us out a lot. But um, I see here you got who's next, Pao. So who do you think is going to be next on the chopping block for the Giants if things start going downhill more? Well, if I I personally think that David Gettleman's fate is all but sealed. I really don't see a way that Gettleman can come back again for another year. So in my mind, Gettleman then would be first, right? And I personally think Jones is would be above Judge. Now, I don't think Judge is safe at all, but in my mind – it's more like they, there's no plausible way in my mind that Judge would get fired, but then Jones would be our quarterback next year. Like, but at the same time, I think it's possible that the Judge could be our coach, but no Jones. I think so. So they're not tied in my mind. I definitely think Jones is more on the hot seat than Judge. But not saying at all that Judge is free. I think the Giants don't want to move on from Judge again because it's like. You moved on from Shermer, or you moved on from McAdoo after two years, and then you moved on from Shermer after two years. It's like, do you really want this revolving door? And almost like, what attractive head coaches, like, what what head coach wants to take that job now in New York if they just see that they're going to fire them after two years and not even give them a shot to build something? So I think Judge, from that, like, from that standpoint, has a shot to stay. And I, I don't think necessarily Joe Judge deserves to get fired, but I definitely think he, his seat deserves to be a little warm right now. And I think if the Giants come out pretty sloppy the last seven games down the stretch, I think by all means, send it, like you could send it back. Like I would not be mad if the Giants play bad down the stretch if they fire Joe Judge. As much as I might like Joe Judge as good as he was last year, it's just you can't regress that much from year one to year two. When you're supposed to take a big step forward, you take a big step back and sense like that. But Daniel Jones for him too, this is seven games to save his Giants career if you ask me. I think that in the beginning there were some bright spots and then some guys go out. He doesn't play great. Now he's got his guys back. There's no Jason Garrett now to throw under the bus. It's all on Daniel Jones. And I'm curious to see how he's going to take it. I'm curious to see how he's going to learn the new offense and how Freddie Kitchens hopefully can play to Jones' strengths. I hope we see maybe a little bit more motion. I hope we get Jones maybe a little more uh, in shotgun, maybe less under center. I just think that the Giants' offense should resemble more of a 2020-2021 offense in the NFL than it should a 2005 offense is what Jason Garrett tried to accomplish with the Giants. So, yeah, I just want a modernized offense. But to completely answer your question, I'd rank it Gettleman, then Jones, and then Joe Judge. I mean, are you agreeing with me or you think it, you see it a little different? 
You know what? I'm to- I'm totally agreeing with you. Actually, I think it goes Gettleman, Jones, and then Judge. I just think that Joe, like Joe Judge just hasn't had the time to like really like you know what? Two years is a decent amount of time, but like just the way that like the things he's had to deal with, I should say, are a little bit like he hasn't had the opportunity to fully invest like everything that he wants to into this team yet. And I think that you know what? He's kind of got the defense rolling a little bit. And I know that this offense, now that we got rid of Jason Garrett, like now we're going to see like, okay, now, like, what are you going to do with these seven games left? And I think that's pretty important when you look at Joe Judge's seat, just like you said, it's a, it's a little, it's a little warm right now, but I definitely think that Dave Gettleman's, I honestly think he's gone after this year because I just, I, there shouldn't even be a because it's just because of what he's done over the last, however many years he's been here. We got to bring in some more talent. We got to get guys going. And you know what? Daniel Jones, his seat is definitely the second hottest, no doubt. He's been he's slowly progressed, but at the same time, a slow progression, you know, it, it comes a point where it's like, all right, like when are you gonna stop doing these things that you've been doing since 2019? And let me tell you something, this Bucks game did not help him one bit. Definitely not. This game against the Eagles is gonna be a big game. Hopefully Freddie Kitchens can help out Daniel Jones in keeping his job over the last the next couple of weeks. But, um, yeah, I totally agree with you. I think it goes Gettleman is next, and then Daniel Jones would be next if he plays, like, garbage these next seven weeks. And then I think it's Joe Judge being last, no doubt. Yeah, a couple of things that you were saying kind of, like, spark something. Like, one with Daniel Jones and, like, mistakes from, like, 2019, it just seems, like, still that sometimes when there's, like, it just moves a little too fast for him in a sense. And when he gets, like, certain pressure on him, he just kind of, like, panics. Like he, you don't feel like this cool, this cool, calm, collected quarterback back there. You're almost like a little worrisome sometimes, like what he's gonna do with the football. So that's one thing with Jones that I would love to see more of a progression with over the next seven weeks if he wants to stay the franchise quarterback. Uh, I'll mention Dave Gettleman and this. Listen, Dave Gettleman, like I'm not a huge fan of Gettleman. I'm not a huge fan of some of the moves that he's made. But yes, I thought honestly this past offseason, at, at least. If he's going to get fired, if you ask me, I can respect Dave Gettleman that he went down swinging. I mean, he tried to sign the big free agent. It, it, like, you can complain right now. Every Giants fan can complain right now that Kenny Galladay is not producing. And how do you pay him that, all that much money? If the Giants didn't sign Kenny Galladay, there would have been a riot outside of MetLife Stadium because of what, like, how badly we needed that number one receiver. You know what I mean? He just didn't produce. It didn't work. So I'm not going to completely blame Dave Gettleman on a chance for swing and missing on something like that. At least, at least he swung. You know what I mean? I'd be a lot more pissed off if Dave Gettleman just watched, which is what he did with the offensive line, if you ask me, where you let Kevin Zeitler go, which I, I'm fine. Maybe it was a money thing, but then you literally didn't bring in one offensive lineman to replace them. I mean, our offensive line, as of right now, Matt Skur was signed off a practice squad in September. Billy Price was a cut candidate by the Bengals. You traded BJO for him in early September. It's like those are two guys who are starting on your offensive line that you got late in the offseason process, literally right before the season started. So that's where, if you ask me, some of my frustrations with Dave Gettleman is, yes, he's brought in some good corners in a Dory Jackson and James Bradbury, two of probably his best signings. Logan Ryan, he was a good signing initially. Do I love that extension? I'm in between on it. You know what I mean? Give me still a little bit of time. He's made a couple decent draft moves here and there. But at the end of the day, like, the guys just don't produce that. some of the guys that you're bringing into the building. There's probably – there could be a disconnect between how the coaches want to use certain people and how you envision them to be used. So maybe that's why they're not um, performing to their highest level. But, yeah, I mean, you can look at so many things with Dave Gettleman, too, like specifically his drafting 
after the second round. It's not been great at all. And I mean, even you can look at some of his other picks. So it was always going to be tied if you asked me to Daniel Jones too. If Daniel Jones was playing really good, you could kind of live with um, your GM making a couple bad other picks if he kind of picked the franchise quarterback there. So uh, I, I just had to go off a little bit on that about that because it does bother me in a sense that like, People will like complain about the Kenny Galladay signing, but like, could you imagine if Kenny Galladay didn't get signed? Like, how frustrated yeah. we would have been. Yeah, you know what? I, one more point that I'm definitely gonna add into there. Like, if they do fire Dave Gettleman, I'm not even gonna lie to you. Like, I think that that next GM is in like a super good position for like moving on with this team because he's got the draft stock. He's got two first round picks next year. And he's got good players, honestly, like pretty good players all around. They just haven't been able to perform this year. Now, that doesn't mean that next year they're not going to be able to perform. Who knows? Next year, Kenny Galladay could become one of the, like, the top five receivers in the league. Nobody knows. So, like, when you when you really look at it, like, if if Dave Gettleman does get fired and we bring in somebody else, Louis Riddick, um, then possibly, you know, he's the next GM is going to be in a uh, in a great spot. Definitely. No doubt. I 100% agree. I think Gettleman will leave the Giants in pretty decent standing in that sense if they eventually move on from him. I think it's a pretty attractive job in the sense that if you rank the rosters in this league, like the Giants don't have a bottom, like off the top, like they don't have, their roster is not reflective of their record if you ask me. Yes, there are holes, don't get me wrong, on the offensive line and stuff like that. But you have a cornerstone left tackle. You have a tough decision at what you want to make at running back. You have a couple good playmakers at receiver, and obviously the biggest question is your quarterback position. On the defensive side of the ball, I mean, you have playmakers here, there. Bring in an edge rusher, and, I mean, your defense, there's not really a hole. You get Blake Martinez back, you know what I mean? Yeah, so there's there's a lot of good on the Giants roster, and I would just love to be for somebody to come in and really, like, elevate those guys and bring out the best of them. So whoever it is, if it's even Gettleman – they're going to have a lot of decisions to make this offseason, but ultimately I don't think it will be Gettleman. And um, we'll worry about that when that comes because, Novello, we got seven more games left in the season. I mean, I, I hate when bad teams say that, like, oh, this is our Super Bowl. You know what I mean? I won't call week 12 against the Philadelphia Eagles our Super Bowl, but I'll call it pretty close at what we've been through this season in the sense that what the Philadelphia Eagles did last year on week 17 in prime time was an absolute disgrace. The Giants have not forgotten about it. Joe Judge will not let them forget about it. Uh, I'm pumped to see the fire that the Giants come out with. If the Giants come out slow in this game and sloppy, I think it's a. I, I wouldn't be. I honestly wouldn't be mad then if they if they ripped into Joe Judge after the game because they should. They, this is a prime spot for Joe Judge to show ownership why he should be the head coach next year. You have to get your team so prepared for this game. I, I don't care if they maybe come out like. And they don't ultimately like win the game in a sense. I'm not saying fire judge if they win the game, but if this team comes out slow and gets embarrassed against the Eagles, by all means, do whatever you want ownership with them. That's that's you know that's a bold statement, but at the same time, like it's a reasonable statement. At the same time, like no doubt, if we if we get crushed by the Eagles on Sunday, I will be absolutely furious with Joe Judge because like just just. We all know how we felt, Bale. We all know how we felt after that Eagles-Redskins, Eagles football team game last year. And it was so frustrating just to watch them blow it for themselves just to increase their draft stock. Like, I could go on forever about that game. But just as as a 
as a head coach, you have to let your players know that like this is this game means a little bit more to the players who were on the roster last year than you know than it it's not just any other game for them. And especially it being a divisional game where we still have a bunch of divisional games left to go. Like this is this is a big game for the Giants just overall within the NFC East standings. Like is there a shot that we win the NFC East? Very, 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 very slim. But at the same time, like let's fight. Like why not just keep fighting? And like these Eagles honestly pay out, they they've been playing pretty well. I know you have here, they've won three of their last four. And honestly, they were against the Brown they well, they beat the Broncos pretty pretty well they beat the saints and they beat the lions they actually crushed the lions but like at the same time beating the broncos by what 17 points and the saints by 11 like those are two like decent football teams who we played decent games against and you know nobody should underestimate this eagles team i know coming into the season i thought the eagles were going to be the new dumpster fire of the nfl they've been playing very well and somehow nick sirianni got them going but you know this is a battle of the coaches too also Joe Judge versus Nick Sirianni. This could be a one of the first matchups between these guys for a long time. Hopefully, if Joe Judge gets these guys together, but um, yeah, I'm hoping that the Giants can rip up the Eagles. The Eagles are not to be underestimated. That's definitely one point that I want to make clear. Yeah, not at all. I mean, the Eagles. I mean, early on in the season, you know what I mean. Even going into the season, like you said, yeah, they'll probably round out this division, and then in the midway of this, like up until the middle point, you're like, yeah. Yeah, the Eagles are all right, but, like, they're nothing too, too great. Not taking serious. But, yeah, three of their last four really playing themselves right onto that outside bubble of the NFC playoff picture, which is a testament to Nick Sirianni and what he's the job he's been able to do with Jalen Hurts. I mean, I don't think Jalen Hurts, if you ask me, is an all-world quarterback, but he's able to cater to his strengths. They run the ball very well. I mean, they average 153 yards per game on the ground, and like they make it easy for Jalen Hurts. There's clear development. There's clear development in Jalen Hurts' game from year one to year two, and I think that can be attributed to Nick Sirianni's success with his scheme and Jalen Hurts. So yeah, don't take these Eagles lightly. I mean, they're a good football team. I think on the offensive side of things, they have to be careful not to turn the ball over. This Eagles team loves to take advantage of mistakes. Darius Slay specifically heads that secondary. I know he's had. I think he had two touchdowns, and like maybe it was the last two weeks or. Two, like the streak started two like three weeks ago and then he had them back-to-back yeah. games besides the point I mean this Eagles defense is pretty good as well definitely gonna give the Giants offensive line a little bit of fits but all in all if you ask me I think the Giants do match up pretty well I don't like this isn't a game where the Giants when you look at rot both of these rosters and you're like the Giants are severely outmanned I mean you could even say in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers game yeah the Buccaneers do have a better roster than the New York Giants it is no excuse to get blown out like that but they have a better roster than the Giants I mean, you could easily argue here that the Giants have a better roster than the Philadelphia Eagles for sure, especially, I mean, the Giants don't have any critical injuries. I mean, Sterling Shepard, again, might be out, which is a shame. Definitely keep an eye on Kadarius Tony too, has a little bit of a quad issue that he might not be a go. I think we absolutely need him because, again, that Tampa Bay Buccaneers game, he was the only source of life. So hopefully we can get Tony and be as much at full strength as we can be. But, um, yeah, I'm excited for this game for sure. Divisional game. Emotion should be sky high. And, uh, yeah, I definitely think it's a game that the Giants can pull out for sure. No doubt. And I think Jalen Hurts is playing like he's not playing too bad. He's he's got he's 13 touchdowns. He's tied for 19th in the league. Five picks tied for ninth. And, you know, what? I think that he's been playing like pretty solid. Like he's he's been leading Philly in like some some pretty strong drives throughout the last couple of games. But um, one thing I think we need, again, just like you said, Kadarius Tony. 
I read that um, Kadarius Tony, Kenny Galladay, and I believe it was Darius Slayton or Saquon, one of those two, were not uh, practicing. I believe it was yesterday. So I hope they can uh, hopefully figure it out, get back into practice, and um, you know start preparing for this team because this is this game is no joke, and especially for Giants fans everywhere. And um, this is a big game, divisional game against the Eagles. Also, Michael Strahan's jersey retirement. So let's get a little game for Michael Strahan against these Eagles because we all know what he used to do to the Eagles. But um, for sure, I think the offensive game plan, I think we need to get Saquon Barkley carries. And I think we need to get Kadarius Toney targets. And we need to get Kenny Galladay targets. And I think it's just as simple as that. And I also think that we're going to need a quick John Ross. I told you, we need to average one shot to John Ross a game because why not? But um, I think if we do those four things, I don't see why not. Our offense can't have a good day, and I think our defense just needs to do their thing. I think that also one thing about the defense, I don't want to see them in the first drive or two just, like, experiment and let Jalen Hurts just kind of, like, dink and dunk down the field. Jalen Hurts and Tom Brady are two different players. Tom Brady's going to take advantage of that. Jalen Hurts probably also going to take advantage of that. But I need to see, like, different ways to play against this guy. Like, I don't want to see Jalen Hurts just run and throw all over us. We need to come out firing, and we need to come out uh, getting these guys the ball on offense, no doubt. Yeah, I think definitely make it difficult on Jalen Hurts. I mean, this is a guy, again, who's not a precision when it comes to throwing the football compared to Tom Brady. I mean, I would love the Giants to kind of get in some of these Philly receiver spaces. Devonta Smith is our number one. Not saying Smitty's a good receiver for sure, but I love the matchup for James, like James Bradbury in his favor. Adore Jackson, too, on Jalen Rager or Quez Watkins. I love our matchups there. I would not be mad if Patrick Graham says, all right, let's see if you guys can beat us in man coverage. Wouldn't be mad at all. I mean, the Giants really haven't played like a mobile quarterback this year as explosive as Jalen Hurts. I mean, haven't played Kyler Murray, no Josh Allen, no um, Lamar, no Lamar Jackson, too. I thought I said him twice again. I mean, they played these guys last year as well. But I'm, I'm excited to see what they can do on the defensive side of things. And offensively, just at least like show me something and inspire me hope. You know what I mean? Like try to make a change. Like I, it would bother me if they're starting to, if they run a lot of Garrett stuff, like I know they can't change the whole offense in a week. Like I'm perfectly okay with that, but can we put in a couple packages here and there where it's like, all right, this is clear growth from what we were doing a couple weeks ago to now what we're going to do this week with Freddie kitchen. So Novello, I personally think, like I said, I think emotions are too high. Stray hands, Jersey getting retired. I just don't see a way that the Giants can somehow win this game. I'm not making an official score prediction. I will just say that the Giants in general will win this game. And I think it'll be because of the defense. And I'll I'll, I'll exclaim that. I think the defense will really get after it. And I think the offense will do just enough. I think that I'll go with, if I had to get with somebody making a play, I'll go with probably one of our best playmakers on our defense, Xavier McKinney, once again, stepping up, making a big play, probably in coverage on Dallas Goddard. And, uh, yeah, I think the Giants will ultimately pull out this win against Philadelphia. And they honestly, maybe it's just I'm saying that, too, because they absolutely have to have this game in my mind. I my score prediction is going to be 28 to 17. And I only think it's going to be that score because I think the Giants are going to score a late touchdown, hopefully some sort of rushing touchdown from Saquon to seal the deal. But um, I think my crazy defensive prediction is going to be. That Aziz Ojolari has three sacks. That's going to be my defensive prediction. Usually a little bit different than usual. I usually go with like a defensive score or something, but I'm just going to go with Aziz Ojolari. It's going to have three sacks on the day. Yeah, Ojolari had a big day. I want to say it was the Carolina game, right? Maybe he had three sacks, two and a half sacks in that game. 
So he's shown that he can do it before. So hopefully for your sake, you're spot on with that prediction. But that's going to do it for today's episode. Novello, anything you want to leave off with? Hmm. All hail the New York Giants. Yeah, let's hope that the Giants can really switch it up this week. And uh, let us forget that Monday night football game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers because that was a real sour note. That's going to do it for today's episode. Take care, everybody. Have a good one.